Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I am your host, Brunswick. The show is Project Panthers, and what a week it's been in Panther territory. You can find us on YouTube and SoundCloud by searching Project Panthers, on Twitter at P-R-O-J Panthers, and on Instagram, Project Panthers Pod. We're also now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as of this week, so you can find us on there by searching Project Panthers. The Cats currently sit at a record of 11-3-2. Still good for second place in the NHL Central Division, although they did hold the top spot for almost the entire week. They finished this uh, four-game set this week with a record of 3-1-0, and after some heavy competition facing Tampa and Carolina at home, A bit of a letdown as the week ended, but we'll get into that. The final of the three-game set against the Bolts was a road game for the Panthers in Tampa Bay. They may have gotten a little bit fortunate with this one as the Lightning decided to start backup goaltender Curtis McElhaney in net. And after a disappointing 6-1 loss on Saturday at home to the Lightning, I really wanted to see a stronger effort from this team. I wanted more persistence in puck pursuit and pressure. As I mentioned on last week's podcast, you can't give a team like Tampa room on the ice to work. So your feet have to constantly be moving and you have to constantly be in that team's face to force bad decisions. Duclair got robbed on a breakaway early on in this one. He has been so close to scoring on so many chances. Last year, last week I talked about the curse. It just looked like more of that again on this one. He's getting the chances, and that's that's encouraging at least, right? Stamkos opened the scoring with a wide-open one-timer in the first. Yandel and Noah Jolson both got caught behind the net on this play, and this felt like Jolson's last shift of the, of the game because he finished with a total of 5.51 ice time in this game. I don't really remember him hitting the ice after this goal. I know he was out there because... He hadn't played five minutes, five minutes into the game. So he definitely had more shifts, but I guess Coach Q's leash is a lot shorter for a guy like Noah Jolson than it is for a guy like Keith Yandel, given that he contributes offensively, I guess. It's it's tough to see, though. You You want a guy to get out there again and maybe prove himself a little more. People make mistakes. I think Jolson's been decent, so it, it was a little bit uh, discouraging to see him not get much more ice time after this situation, where I think you could blame Yandel, you could blame Jolson, you could also blame the forwards on this play. I, it was a broken play, and anytime a guy like Steven Stankos is wide open in the slot for a shot, I mean, your team defense as a whole has made a mistake, right? Cats uh, capitalized on a miscalculation from McElhaney and Horquist beat him to the puck on a strong forecheck. Got the puck out front to Huberto for an easy empty netter. This is a really nice response from the team. They didn't get deflated after the Stamkos goal and scored less than two minutes after it. Really nice to see. Uh, less than five minutes into the second, Vetrano forced the forced turnover and Louis Starnan gets on a little mini two-on-one with uh, Owen Tippett. And Tippett finally 
gets his first goal of the season. That's his first NHL goal in 1,208 calendar days. He last scored his an NHL goal, his only other NHL goal, on October 26, 2017 against the Anaheim Ducks. So it was really great to see him get this one. He's had a ton of chances, much like Duclair. So seeing him pot one, very, very encouraging. Uh, Vitrano showed some really good speed through the neutral zone and forced a penalty shot that he scored on. Vitrano's lighting it up now. His offense has, has come alive after a, a bit of a slow start only really having that OT winner against Chicago early on in the season. So, you know, he's he's going to be the main driver on that third line since he's the vet with Tippett and Luo Starnin. So it's really important to get him going because the rest of the line will get going along with him. And he's got the wheels right now. He's skating with purpose out there. It's great to see. And I guess, I guess Anthony Duclair saw Owen Tippett having the fun getting his first of the season, and he chose to emulate him in the best way he could. Duclair broke in uh, from the neutral zone on the left side, got around the net. McElhaney miscalculated how much time he needed to get to the other side of the net. Duclair wraps it around and scores for his first of the season, throwing the proverbial monkey off his back. Great to see for Duclair, a guy who's, you know, skating out there really hard every game. I feel like every single outing, he's got three or four chances that could result in goals. So, He's really worked hard for this one, and it was great to see. You could see the relief on his face when he scored it, too. And, and the boys came in and gave him big, big hugs, and, and he, he could feel it. You could, you could feel it. It was almost palpable. It was great to see. And then Volkov cut the lead to 4-2 to two on a weak wrister from the hash marks on the left side. Trigger should have had this one. But these goals are a lot easier to give up when you're up, up to 4-1 up than when you're losing 3-2. to two. Again, you don't want to see it, but... They're a little, uh, the pill's a little easier to swallow when you have a three-goal lead and something like that happens. Cats kept coming, though. Barkov got a breakaway and absolutely undressed McElhaney, waited him out and beat him. It's a great finish from the captain, great speed. You you love to see that. And at this point, the Bolts looked really lost defensively. You could excuse this game on being McElhaney's start and, you know, Vasilevsky not being in net and the Bolts relying on their backup to get it done for them this in this one. But honestly, their defense was... Borderline non-existent for the first almost two periods of this game. But the Lightning are the Lightning, and they're the defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. Volkov got his second of the game late in the second, and Johnson scored 48 seconds later after Aaron Ekblad got caught pinching a little too far in in the offensive zone. The Bolts really started storing back. They were pushing real hard. Drieger made an incredible stretching toe stop on Stamkos, on a Bulls power play with 30 seconds, 33 seconds left in the second period. This was a game saver, in my opinion. If the Bulls tied it up here and made it 4-4 going to the third period, I think this game would have ended very differently. But he made the save and gave the cast the lead going to the third. And Strawman, 59 seconds into that third period, picked the top corner and restored the Cats' two-goal lead. After this, it was a lot of lightning, but... It was a combination of lightning pressure and Panthers defense. They really locked it down. Didn't didn't pursue a lot of offensive opportunities. Trusted in their goaltender, in their game plan, in their strategy. Did their best to keep Tampa on the outside. I mean, Tampa has a ton of speed, so that's hard to do. But they held the Cats to or the Bulls to 11 shots in the period 
And Drieger, when called upon, stood tall all night. They protected this lead really well, which is something that they haven't had a lot of opportunity to do this season due to all the one-goal games that they've been in. And it was impressive to see them hold this lead against a team like Tampa Bay. They managed to get the victory and hold on for their first win in Tampa in almost five years. Their last win was March 26, 2016. So great for the cast to get another monkey off their back and slay those demons of years prior. Main takeaways from this one was Duke and Tippett scoring. I mean, we've talked about the the effort from these guys in this podcast for weeks now. Need to get them going. And they both had these 8,000-pound gorillas on their backs. So it was really great to see them get get the uh, get the goals that they need to, to hopefully start producing on a more consistent basis and get those, that confidence boost up. 4-4 four and four on the PK against a powerful offense like Tampa is, is nothing to shake a finger at. Really great effort for the team there, especially in key moments at the end of that second period, killing off that power play. And Drieger, though, although not statistically a very good game, he did have a pretty solid performance out there. Giving up four goals doesn't always look like the best thing for a goaltender, but he made some really key saves down the stretch and, and held the team in it in the third period when the, when the bolts were pressing hard. Gudas had another eight hits in this game. That's three games this season now with eight hits or more. He and Horquist have added a level of composure to this team that I can't remember the last time they had. They looked really complete against this Tampa team defending that lead in the third period, and I think those two vets have a big part of to uh, play a big part in that role. And Uyghur. Uyghur was exposed by Braden Point far too many times in this three-game series against the Bolts. Point is a dangerous player, and we've talked about his speed here. Uyghur seems to struggle reading that speed through the neutral zone and often gets caught flat-footed as a result of it. This is something I want to see him improve on. He is getting better game by game, I can say that, but this is this is a facet of his game that I feel he really needs to work on consciously because he gets burned more often than I think anyone would like to see. But overall, great win by the Cats to start the week and and really stamp home that, that first win against the Bolts and, and not have it be a fluke after losing 6-1 to one to Lightning at home. Next up was Carolina on the road again for the Panthers. And I was much less confident about this game than Monday in Tampa. Surprisingly, surprisingly. The Cats have historically struggled in Carolina and they have been a source of frustration for the Panthers and Panthers fans for many a years. Many, many a years. And sure enough, the Cats didn't disappoint by disappointing. First period was an absolute stinker from the Panthers. Probably their worst period of the season. They came out flat, no energy. Multiple times on this period, for some reason, they felt the need to force a pass up the middle in their own zone. The worst play in hockey is to pass the puck up the middle in your own zone. And they felt the need to do this a bunch of times on this night. Of course, eventually, the Hurricanes scored on one of these opportunities. Ekblad passed the puck right up the middle. Puck gets intercepted at the blue line. Stahl gets gets a hold of it in front of the net and finishes easily past Drieger. Second goal 
came comes off of a deflection 28 seconds later. Cats are down 2 nothing, and they should be. They are not playing well at this point. First period is bad news. But they get through it with only two goals against, and they're ready to move on. And they have to. And honestly, I wasn't. I wasn't ready to move on. I panicked. I fell into the old traps of being a Panthers fan. Years of trauma with this team has made me this way. I immediately thought this team was a pretender. The Tampa games were a fluke. The team isn't really that good. They've just been beating up on Detroit all season. I really had to breathe and, you know, take a step back and, and relax a little bit. <laughs> because I could feel the, uh, the, <laughs> the train going off the rails for myself. There's a lot of baggage that comes with uh, all the dumpster fire teams that we've seen over the years with the Panthers. But you know what? This isn't the same Panthers. And I have to remind myself that. And you need to remind yourself of that. Because this isn't the same team. They stuck to their game plan and didn't get discouraged by the two-goal deficit. Like we have seen so many times before in previous years. With Achari not on the road trip due to injury, the new-look fourth line of Ryan Lomberg, Yuho Lamico, and Brett Connolly had a few strong shifts to start the second period, and they really started to swing the momentum in favor of the Panthers halfway through that stanza. I think they were instrumental in getting things turned around for the team in this game. I really do. They played a really strong, consistent game. And then Yandel found streaking, a streaking Huberto on the power play, and he finished a laser of a shot top cheese over Nedeljkovic's shoulder. Lead is down to one. But the Canes kept coming. Drieger stood tall and made some really key saves and uh, made a really nice save on a on a little opportunity by former Panther Vinny Trocek on the left side of the net breaking in. Ekblad was robbed multiple times in this second period. There's something that I've noticed about his shot recently. Well, actually, I've noticed it all season, but recently it's becoming very, very visible from my perspective. I noticed that when he gets a pass, so his one-timer is disgusting. I mean, he scored a couple of goals on it already this season, but his one-timer is filth. If he's positioned properly and gets that shot off, it's it's really hard for the goalie to stop that. He gets a lot of force behind it. But I find with his wrist shots, he takes a, a slight second to set himself. Almost like like if you've ever if you've ever skateboarded in your life. When you start skateboarding early on and you want to learn tricks like an ollie and a kickflip and a back and a heel flip, you you have to set your feet because foot placement is very important with a skateboarding move, with a skateboarding trick. And it looks like Eckblad is setting his feet and setting himself in position to get the best shot he can have in terms of leverage, body weight transfer, accuracy, speed, all that. But what happens is this gives the defenders and the goaltender that extra split second as well to prepare himself, to set themselves, to poke the puck away, to whatever. And I think that is what's causing goalies to make these great saves on Ekblad. I think that extra split moment that he takes to prepare for his shot is giving goaltenders a chance to square up and make the save. Because he was robbed multiple times in this game, and he's been robbed multiple times before. And that's not to say that Ekblad's not having a good offensive season, because we all know he's having a great offensive season. Especially after last year, like not scoring as many goals and being 
what felt like snake bitten hitting a thousand posts last year. But yeah, seeing seeing him take that extra moment, I think I think is detrimental to his offense. And I think if he can get around that and sort of get it gets it get his shots off a little faster, he'll have a little more success scoring goals. Um barely three minutes into the third, Huberto breaks into the zone, pulls a spinorama. And finds a streaking Alex Wenberg in front of the net to tie the game up. This was a mwah, chef's kiss. What a pass this was. This is one of the best passes I've ever seen in a Panthers uniform. By a player. Ever. The skill, speed, awareness, vision. Everything required to make a play like this. So impressive. And Wenberg continues to go to the net. Continues to find that that puck and, and and show that offensive skill that he once showed in the NHL. So really great goal for the team. And the third period after that was all Panthers. I mean, constant pressure. They generated a ton of two-on-ones for themselves. And the fourth line continued to pressure and got rewarded with Yuho Lamico's first career NHL goal. A squeaker that got by Nidalkovich. And maybe he should have had that, but in the NHL, you got to make your own luck. And that's what they did on this night. They looked really impressive throughout the evening. Constant pressure, consistency, consistency, consistency. From the first period to the end of the game, they did not let up. And it was really great to see them get the reward. Trocek tied it up late in the period, though, on a power play. You know, Carolina was a dud in this period, and this power play gave them a bit of life. They scored really early on into it. It was a weird deflection. I mean, impressive deflection on Trocek's part. Trigger wouldn't... I can't imagine any goalie would stop this unless it was dumb luck because this deflection was... It was a 60-degree deflection four feet from in front of the net. You kind of have to be either luck luck out and have your body in, in front of that shot or you're not going to stop it. But Trigger robbed Niederreiter with less than three minutes left in the third period to force the game into OT. Another huge save from Drieger at a key moment to preserve some valuable points for this team. It's really, really impressive from him. And in OT, teams went back and forth a little bit, but Barkov, on the back check, intercepted a pass to Vinny Trocek. Oh, the poetry on that one. So he intercepted that pass, got Huberto on a breakaway, and he had about three months to decide what to do with that chance Beats Nedeljkovic and the Cats win 4-3. Great comeback win. 4-3 in overtime. Resilient. Strong effort from this team. Not a game you would see in years prior. Not an effort you would see in years prior. Exercising those demons of beating Tampa in Tampa. Beating Carolina in Carolina. That will go a long way for this team throughout this season. Main takeaways from this one. Huberdeau was the start tonight. Two goals and an assist. In games like this, you need your stars to show up, and boy, did he ever show up. This was the best game of him of the season so far. No question. Best game of the year. He was all basically halfway through the second period, he was all over the ice, invisible every time he touched it. I've been a little harsh on uh, Huberto on this podcast, expect, uh, you know, demanding more from him as a star player, and this was. This was the kind of thing that you love to see from your players. And 
it's if he can keep this kind of effort up consistently, the sky's the limit for this this guy and this team, right? It was also great to see the Cats get better as the night progressed. They they started moving their feet around in the second period, and they never let up. They just kept continuing the pressure. They were absolutely suffocating in the third period, too. Canes only got seven shots. Canes are a really big, strong, hardworking team that is always moving on the ice. And the Panthers basically disabled them, and that's... That's what you want to see from a team defensively. Especially against a difficult opponent like the Canes. And Drieger, I keep singing his praises, but he deserves it. Kept the team in it. Made some timely saves when they needed it the most. What more can you say? What more can you say about him? I am Brunswick. This is Project Panthers. Thank you for listening. Next game up for the Cats was in Detroit. Back-to-back against the Red Wings. After two strong wins against arguably the team's biggest competition all season, I really wanted to see the Cats come out strong in this one and not take an opponent like Detroit lightly. It can happen really easily. It's it's a very easy trap to fall into. A team like Detroit, bottom of the standings, you're flying high on cloud nine. You take them, uh, take them a little lightly. Eh, it's just the Red Wings. It's fine. We'll beat them. No problem. No. That was not the case for the Cats. Not the Cates. They came out strong. They came out... They, they came to play like they were playing Tampa Bay again. Not Detroit. And the results showed in that. Lamico got his second in as many games to open the scoring. and They never, ever looked back after that. Huberto found Uyghur on a two-on-one for Uyghur's first of the year. So nice to see him finally get a goal. Hornquist gets his second, seventh of the season on a great passing play from Yandel and Huberdo. little tic-tac-toe play that Hornquist finishes off in front of the net. Then Bobby Ryan got one back quickly. Drieger should have had this one. This is a shot from the point coming into the zone uncontested. Probably should have had that. But again, giving up a goal like this when you're up 3 nothing is a lot easier than when you're down 2-1, right? It is. But that goal didn't stop the Cats. For Hagee broke in with speed a few minutes later, crashed the net, and Barkov finished uh, finished off the opportunity for his sixth of the season. And that was it. I mean, that was the first period. They dominated the first period. Second period was less eventful, but Ekblad made a 5-1 with a blast from the point with only 21 seconds left in the period. It was pure domination. Detroit did not look interested in this game. They didn't really show up at any period, and the Panthers did not let up. Third period, Hornquist got his second of the night, eighth of the season, and Duclair managed his second of the season, finishing the score at 7-2. to Main takeaways from this one, Detroit was never in this game, as I said. Just never showed up. Games like this prove to you why they're the bottom of the league and you know they're a young team and they're still learning a lot and there's going to be a lot of growing pains like this so I'm not going to criticize them too hard it's difficult it's difficult when your roster is what that roster is and I as as a Panthers as Panthers fans I think we can all sympathize and empathize with a team like Detroit struggling the way they have been for as long as they have been and in hopes of a better future to come, which I think they do have. I do think that they have a really bright future, and I think Steve Eisenman is doing wonderful things with that that team. All, 
it may not show in this game, but defensively, their structure is a lot better, and they're already a better team than they were last year. I love seeing Lamico and Wenberg be 1-2 and two for ice time in this game. Barkov and Huberdo can get some much-needed and deserved rest in a game like this. Nice to see Coach Q reward those guys with more ice time. Both of them have had strong weeks, and they deserve it. And my biggest takeaway from this game was the pressure from the Panthers. They never let up once. They came out in the third with a 5-1 lead and outshot the Red Wings 16-9 in that period. That tells me that this team is not taking anything lightly, and they are not taking any situation for granted. And that is a winning attitude. Because in the NHL, anyone can beat anyone on any night. That is what happens. And we've seen it happen a million times. And we'll see it happen a million times over. That consistent play, that effort, that energy, that puck pursuit is what you need consistently to win games in this league. I'm going to say it a million times. Listen up. So that was an impressive win for the Cats. But after Friday night's game, the uh, Red Wings received some sad news. Longtime team masseuse and equipment manager Sergei Chekmarev passed away at the age of 65. By all accounts, everything I read about him, he was a lovely man who made all those around him happier and brightened up a lot of people's days on a regular basis. So you knew going into Saturday night's game that the Wings were going to come out playing with heavy hearts and some inspiration inspiration for their boy Cheka, as he was known. Panthers also decided to bring out the reverse retros on the road in this one since they worked so well in the previous week in that 6-1 loss to Tampa at home. Why not, right? You can pretty much guess what this recipe resulted in. Bob was back in net for this one, his first start of the week, first start in four games. Cats came out with a flurry of chances in the first, but oh boy, did Jonathan Bernier make some great saves. Recently back from injury, he was absolutely lights out. Wings did not generate much in the first period. It was mostly Panthers throughout it, but Bernier weathered the storm until Wenberg scored his fifth of the season on the power play. It was really nice to see the second unit get a little bit of a longer shift and also rewarded with a goal. Wenberg now matches his goal total with Columbus from last season at five in 39 less games played. He did five in 57 last year. He's got five in 16 games this year. This is the output that everyone was hoping for. I think Zito, Wenberg, the fans, the team, everyone wanted this sort of output from him. Again, he scores about three feet from the goal line and he's... His net presence is improved, very improved. He's finding pucks in front of the net because he's put himself in places where he can be successful on the ice. I'm very impressed with him right now. I think he's low-key playing an extremely important role on this team. And although he struggles in the face-off circle, although he was the best face-off man for the Panthers on this night, he, he the other facets of his game are so well-rounded right now, and if the offense offense keeps trending the way it's been, he's going to be one hell of a signing, and he might be really difficult to resign next year because he might be getting a payday. You never know. Wings tied it up after a face-off win that led to a uh, Nemeth shot. He finished his top corner over Bob's right shoulder. Bob could have had this one, but 
in all fairness, Nemeth should have shouldn't have ever had the time and space he had to walk in like that. Another case of the f- losing a face-off leading to a goal, an opposition goal. Not great. You don't want to see those. And then the Wings took the lead on a boneheaded goal, on an absolutely boneheaded goal. All three Panthers in the defensive zone got caught along the boards. Dylan Larkin got a little bit of space in the middle of the ice, and all three defenders chose to chase him, leaving Brome wide open in front of the net to pick up the easy rebound that Bob seemed to have placed for him to give the Wings a 2-1 advantage. Not a great goal. Mistakes all around. Weger and Ekblad getting caught in their own zone. Bob giving up the very easy, juicy rebound. Not great. Really not great. The Wings had some sustained pressure for about 10 to 12 minutes where they scored these two goals, and then the rest of the game was all Panthers. It really was. They just couldn't beat Bernier. Just couldn't. I can't say the team played a bad game. But in the third, it looked like they were overthinking things again and making too many passes. And it seems to happen a lot when they play a goaltender who's having a very strong game. They don't... They do the opposite of keeping it simple to get things to work, which oftentimes in hockey is the right solution. When you're not getting pucks in past the goalie because he's playing too well, you... Crash the net, throw pucks on net, and hope something happens to throw the goalie off and you get a goal or two by him. That's the move. Instead, they double down on the passing. Look for just the perfect play. And, you know, sometimes that works. You know, we saw that Barkov goal uh, against Nashville a few weeks ago when Rene was playing lights out and Verhage found Barkov on the back door and Rene had no chance against that. And it's great when a pass like that works, but a lot of times it doesn't. And... There's a lot of active sticks on the ice, and it makes those passes very difficult to to complete. And I don't know if that's the right move for this team, to double down on that effort and, and continue to pass the puck more in hopes of the perfect shot opportunity. I really think they can just keep it simple, you know? I also don't like Q mixing up the lines when the team is down. He's been doing this a lot this season. He did it a lot last season, but I feel like it's more noticeable this season because the lines have been more consistent outside of the first line. Loading up a line with Barkov and Hubri has yet to work this season, and I kind of wish Q would show more faith in his lineup and leave it as is, especially in a game like this against a very beatable opponent in Detroit. I just didn't think it was... It's just it's just not working. It It hasn't worked, and it's not working. It's not a power play. You're doing five on five. And and I think the dynamics of spreading the offense out is what makes this team so special this year. And loading up one line takes away one of your advantages. So I I hope to see less of that going forward. And Bernier shut the door the rest of the way. Cats did as much as they could to try and get, get a goal. But again, too many passes, one too many looks, not enough shots, and couldn't get it done. Ah... Main takeaways. Again, the Cats are beaten by a great goaltender. It's happened a few times this season. Rene, Grice, Bernier. They seem to struggle against really good goaltenders. I mean, bit of a stupid statement, I guess, right? Struggling to score goals against strong goaltenders. That's kind of what strong goaltenders are supposed to prevent. Goals, right? Uh, faceoffs were a real factor, as we saw in that first goal. And Wings dominated the Panthers over the course of the two-game uh, swing. They won nearly 56% of the faceoffs, and... 
I'd like to say the Cats would fare better with Noel Achari in the lineup, but I mean he's only, he's winning less than half of his faceoffs this season, so that's not necessarily true. This this was just a perfect recipe for a loss. Bob Bob played fine, no issues with his play, but he was just severely outplayed by the opposite goaltender, Jonathan Bernier. Not what you want to see from your ten million dollar goaltender, but I'm not going to beat a dead horse down. It's pointless. Bob played solid. Some may say they lost because of him tonight, but I, I think they the Panthers didn't lose as much as the Red Wings and Jonathan Bernier won. And that's what my takeaway is from this game. But these games happen, and it's important to learn from them and move on. And now it's time to also move on to two points. Yes, that's right, two points. The world-famous Project Panthers segment of two points. Two points. Two points. Two points. Ah, the crowd goes wild for two points. That's right, baby. Two points. Point number one. NHL officiating. I'm a hockey fan. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're also a hockey fan. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not a hockey fan, I admire your commitment and devotion to this random show you found online. I really appreciate it. I really do. But as hockey fans, as a hockey fan, and I yell at refs. I yell at refs. Well, I mean, I yell at my TV, thinking that the refs might hear me from all, all the way up here in Canada. It's kind of tradition as a hockey fan. I think as a sports fan in general, to be honest. We all do it. We've all been caught doing it on at least one occasion. And if you only yelled at the refs once in your entire sports-watching life, good on you. You're a better person than I am. But this year specifically, I find the NHL's officiating to be even more suspect than usual. I personally believe the main reason it's so noticeable is that teams are playing each other for two or three consecutive games on the regular. So this allows teams and fans and everyone watching to learn the style of the play from each team and how these teams are playing each other. And again, every game is different, but teams play more or less the same style game in and game out. All week this week, I found myself saying how inconsistent the calls were. This was not just me being a homer and complaining about missed calls and blah, 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 and Trojic was tripped. No, no, no. None of that. This was in general. There are some stick infractions that are so light, but they lead to a penalty for slashing or hooking. Sometimes it's just a stick lift, a good quality stick lift. Other times a player gets tackled, dropped to the ice by one guy, and nothing gets called. It makes no sense. There is far too much game management happening from the NHL referees in this season. And a lot of people are starting to take notice. I am not the first person to talk about this, and I promise you... I'm not the last this year. It's starting to become very obvious for those watching closely. And I don't know what the NHL is going to do to alleviate the situation, but it's it's a problem when it's this obvious. I really hope to see the NHL get a little more consistent, but when it comes to officiating, it's tough. It's tough to expect that from the league. And my point number two, for two points. Radko Gudis. That's right. Radko Gudis. I feel terrible. It's taken me this long to include Mr. Radko Gudis in this segment because he is so damn stellar back there for the Panthers. This guy is a hitting 
machine. He already sits at 86 hits this season in only 16 games played. Last year, he had 164 hits with the Capitals in 63 games played. So he's almost halfway there. Sorry, my math is terrible. He's beyond halfway there. And he's only played a quarter of the games. On last year's team, the the leader in hits was Nolachari. He finished the season with 121 hits in 66 games. Second other team was Frankie V with 102 hits in 69 games. Gudis is on pace to absolutely destroy these numbers this season. But he's not just hitting out there. He's also playing incredibly solid defense. He's 7th on the team in Corsi, but only contributed 2 assists. This tells you that he's just out there making the right plays more often than not. Combine that play with the calming presence that he has in the locker room, and to me, you have one of Zito's best signings of the offseason. I feel like I say that phrase a lot. But can you blame me? It's been a pleasure to watch the butcher, as they call him, work night in and night out and punish at least one opposition player per game. I think he's good for one big hit every night, and you love to see it, especially when the team hasn't had that over its, uh, over its last five or six seasons. Really love to see Radko. He's been a great addition to the team. Love it. Love that big bruising body on the back end. And that's it for me, friends. The Cats are still busy this week, like everyone else in the NHL season, with another four games coming up this week. It's Dallas Stars week, as the Panthers will finally see the defending Western Conference champions for the first time this year. That's three games and four nights against the Stars, starting Monday with the week finishing up against the Hurricanes at home. I really hope to see a strong effort on Monday against a very tough Stars team. Um, Especially after the lackluster result in Detroit on Saturday, I I hope the Panthers show up ready to play on Monday. I am Brunswick. Thank you for listening to Project Panthers. If you have any questions or comments and want me to read them on the show, feel free to shoot me an email at projectpantherspod at gmail.com. That's projectpantherspod pod at gmail.com my goal with this podcast is to open up more discussions and give Panthers fans another home to talk shop regarding the team online I feel like there's not enough places like that for us on here so please feel free to reach out love to get some questions and, 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 and open up discussion even more so you can find us on YouTube and SoundCloud by searching Project Panthers on Twitter at Proj Panthers that's P-R-O-J Panthers also on Instagram, Project Panthers Pod, and now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the big time, by searching Project Panthers. Thanks so much for listening. Have a week! <laughs>